You are listening to the Genesis Podcast, a community of faith, love, and hope. As we look to the scriptures, it is our desire to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. Good morning. The sun is out. It's a great day, right? Started off like, oh no, it's raining. California's in the rain. We melt. Oh no, I can't go to church. What'll happen? <sighs> Nothing. But the sun is out, so we got our, our week's worth of rain this morning. Well, we're continuing this morning in our series called Human. What it means to be human. As we spoke about last week, we talked about how Jesus was our example. He is the mystery of God, the example of what it means to truly be human. And the reason that God sent his son wasn't to give us a a doctrinal information or a a theological uh, precept of what this Christ coming to the earth was about. It was because God so loved the world that he gave his son. God came to get his family back. It's a very passionate reason. That's why we call it the passion. They call it the passion when we talk about the cross, the crucifixion. The whole purpose was the passion of God. And so we saw last week that God's intention was to get his family back, to bring us to a relationship with him. Jesus didn't come just to convert people, but that we would have life and have it to the full, as he tells us in John 10. He prayed that we would be one even as he and his father are one in John 17. If we are going to become truly human again, then we need to live as Christ and to have his reputation. And so we are talking about reputation this morning because it's an important part of us being human. I think we fail to recognize how important this aspect is so many times. I want you to think about a person who has dramatically influenced your life. Think of a name of that person, that one person who has maybe given you some insight, who has helped you to move forward, has pulled you out of maybe a a bad direction that you were headed in. Did everyone have that person in mind? Did someone jump into mind right away? Now, I want you to raise your hand if that person who came to your mind is uh, a doctor or very well-to-do, is wealthy. Okay. Look around. We have no wealthy people who have influenced us. Kind of makes me sad. (laughs) So we know you don't have to be wealthy to be a person who has influence. How about very, very educated? I know I said doctor, maybe a doctor or masters or, or someone, and they're very educated who has had that influence. Wow, look at us. Okay, there's few of you. Okay, good. Nice to know there are some people that have that. But what we're saying is you don't have to be well-to-do financially. You don't have to be well-educated to actually have had influence. doesn't mean you can't. It's just showing that the people who have influenced us overall have not been people who are in the top 1% or whatever percent that is, or people who are even highly educated. Now, if that person who you're thinking about is a person who engaged you in conversation and relationship, raise your hand. 
Okay, we're seeing a lot more. And so now we're seeing that really what's important is the dynamic of respect you have with that person and interaction that you have with that person. And so a person who is of reputation has the ability to have a lot more influence than maybe a lot of the things that we would normally think of, even in the area of like famous. You know, how many people were famous who influenced you? No? Okay. It was Russell Crowe and, you know, (laughs) Gladiator. It changed my life. Usually it's someone we interact with, it's someone who we know, it's someone who we engage with and someone who invests in us, someone who has some form of respect and reputation in our life. And you see, reputation is very important. Have you ever seen someone who you haven't seen in a while and you didn't recognize them? They were, they've changed from seeing them 5, 10, maybe 15 years ago. I remember seeing someone who I hadn't seen in a long time, and they go, oh, look at your hair, it's gray. I'm like, thank you. I dye it that way to gain, you know. <laughs> Things stand out, and, and you, you see that person. I remember a friend of mine uh, who I'd gone to church with. He had a young daughter. I think she was about 10, 11 years old when I knew him, and he was separated from his wife at the time. And so he would see his daughter every other weekend. I don't remember what it was, but she was just this beautiful little girl, bright blue eyes, blonde hair, just lively running around like kids do. And she was just the sweetest thing, cute as a button. Years later, he called me when I was working at a church and he said, my daughter is in a psychiatric ward. She tried to to take her life and she's got some problems. I'm wondering if you could go and visit her. He had left the state. I don't know all the details of what had happened. And so I said, sure, I'll go down there. And I went there to, to visit with her and I forget how old she was now, 17, maybe 18 years old. And I did not recognize her at all. She had been heavily involved with drugs She was huffing paint and she was smoking just nonstop and she just looked gray. That bright-eyed little kid that I knew was totally gone and it stunned me. Seeing her and she's just like, we went outside and she was able to have a smoke and she was just like smoking like it was going out of style. I mean, she's just smoking and, and her teeth were brown and her eyes were dull and it wasn't the same person I knew. And and I think sometimes what happens is this relationship that we have with Jesus and the reputation that we want to have with Christ is something that sometimes people see Jesus and then they see people who are supposed to have the reputation of Christ and they don't look anything alike. It's like, that doesn't look or act or sound like the Jesus who I hear or read about. It it comes across in in a totally different way. We're known mostly for being judgmental, not for being loving. We're, We're known for being intolerant. Things that aren't really the reputation of Christ. This past Thursday, the Starving Artists event that we had, it was amazing. 
the, the talent that was there was incredible. One of the girls who was singing there uh, was actually on The Voice. She actually was on The Voice and had gone, I don't know to what round, but I remember hearing, man, she's amazing. She was singing with two other people that were amazing. And I, I posted a little video clip of it because it was amazing. You know, I was like, man, you guys should be here. And it was a great turnout. There was over 40 people there and it was a, a wonderful time. And so I posted this because they sounded amazing. I said, did I say amazing? It was amazing. And so I, I posted this little video on there. And then later someone commented on this video. And, and their comment was, entertainment is a big part of the mystery Babylon. <laughs> and I'm like, what, what, what is that? You know, it's like... And I know of Mystery Babylon. I know it's in Revelation like chapter 7 or something like that. I know what it's in regard to, but I like, have no idea why he would feel inclined to post that, except that's the reputation that Christians start to have, is we like to post everything that we're against. And me, being the kind of you know person who just lets things go very easily decided to comment back. I know that he likes football. So when he said entertainment is a big part of Mystery Babylon, I said, you mean like football and stuff? (laughs) Just because I like to stir it up, you know? And then he posted back, he said, well, are, are they singing? Or no, he posted back something saying that, well, uh, the money making church and organized church is Mystery Babylon, believe it or not. And again, it was like, thank you. Thank you for making that clear to all of us. We all are going to be so much better off because of that. So I I didn't leave it alone. I asked one more time. I I just said, so what does that have to do with my friends who are singing? And he says, well, are they in an organized church? I said, no, it was an event called Starving Artists. And then I haven't heard back. I wanted to say more. I didn't, okay? I wanted to push in. My point here is the reputation that has come along those who believe in Jesus has been one of, again, judgment. You see, the reputation will help us to see just in the brilliant way that Jesus entered humanity. I mean, he lived with people. He, he was a native. He was here with us. He had some enemies, but people on the street loved him. He got along with them. They, they were there. He was the perfect human in the best sense. He built a reputation by how he worked among the people, how he partied with the locals, how he opened up everyone's homes, how he busted through religious and social barriers. He fought for things that people cared about and was one of the most holy but least judgmental people that the world had ever seen. seen. He was an image breaker. He broke the image of what religion stood for at the time. And now he brought into this understanding a God who cares about people. He would say things like the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And at that time, everyone knows it's all about the Sabbath. 
What's a shame is we have taken the the New Testament scriptures and we've made them Torah, just like they did with the Old Testament scriptures. It's all about what we follow, what we do, instead of the God who loves us and what he's done for us. It's not that those things are without importance, but we've made priority things instead of the people. And the reputation is getting tarnished. His life was much more than just a few years before the cross. His life is a model for how we can live and how we are supposed to live now. His life was the model of the reputation that we are supposed to have. In John 20, verse 21, Jesus said, As the Father is sending me, I am sending you. The disciples were called Christians in Antioch. They were called Christians in Acts chapter 11. They didn't call themselves Christians. People saw them and said, they look like Jesus. And so they gave them the name that included his because the reputation they had was identical to the reputation he had. And it was something that was a draw to them. And so being human should always lead us to this great reputation. But what is that reputation? What is the reputation that Jesus had that we are to emulate? What is the reputation that we want to be ours, what we want to be known for? See, God doesn't want you to deny your humanity. And this might shock you, but he doesn't even want you to try and be more godlike. It's not about being like God. Jesus came to show how we are to truly live fully human, created in God's image. And he did that by the way he lived. He did that how he loved. But for us to get this, we also have to recognize the humanity of Christ. We'll talk about this more as we're going through this series, but So many times we like to look at the divinity of Christ. Christ was God stamped in human flesh. And for some reason that we leave it there and we don't recognize, but he was also fully man. And so at the temptation of Christ, when Satan leads him away to be tempted and he says, if you're really the son of God, tell these rocks to be turned to bread. What's Jesus' response? Man shall not live by bread alone. Not the Son of God shall not live by bread alone, but a man will not live by the bread alone. I'm not going to deal with this as God. I am going to deal with this temptation as man, as a man should deal with that temptation. And so humanity is a big part of who he was, and we need to recognize those things. If not, it'll be hard to relate to him. He'll be, oh, well, yeah, Jesus didn't have those problems because he was the son of God. But you see, he was fully human. If you see him only as God, you might worship him or study him, but you'll miss the joy of imitating him because you'll think it's beyond your reach. But the whole purpose he came down was to give us that reach, to give us that example, to set before us what it means to be human. 
we know that during his ministry, he was sad, he got angry, he was frustrated, he was even fearful. He laughed, he cried, he fought temptation of every kind. He experienced physical death. In his birth, he was vulnerable. In his boyhood, he was playful, inquisitive. He was human like you and I. And so I hope that instead of us trying to be godly, we can try to be more human like Jesus, that we can take that example and see what it is because we are godly or godlike when we are like what God has created us to be. God hasn't created us to be God. He's created us to be human. What does that look like? And what is the reputation of a human being? We want to be like Jesus. You see, because what happens is people start to take hold of this faith, this belief in God, but then they stop acting the way God wants us to act. They, they instead become very religious. They, they set about rules and regulations. And Paul talks about that in 2 Timothy verse three, chapter 3, verse 5, having a form of godliness but denying its power. They have a form of godliness and that they were created in the image of God, but they deny the power by not actually living out in a human way, but they start to live in a religious way. We have our events and our things the way we do it. We try to be spiritual. And this is what it looks like to be spiritual. This is what you do to be spiritual. These are the things that you do. And then there becomes a list of rules that you follow instead of the relationship that you're engaged in. In Matthew 23, verse 27, Jesus warned the Pharisees, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones of dead and everything unclean. Jesus was letting us know that the reputation that they had is not the reputation that we are to have where they're very judgmental. We do this. We don't do that. We won't tolerate these people. We are set aside to do the work of God and Jesus is calling them on it. And I love his sarcasm because that's human. I love that he calls this like it is. You see, Jesus was teaching that godliness is not about trying to hide our humanness and appear more like God because, oh, we don't do those things. You see, even though they didn't break the Sabbath, they were full of murderous thoughts. And even though they didn't do certain things, he called them on the attitude of their hearts. And so Jesus would say, well, you say that you shall not commit murder, but whoever says to his brother, you fool, has committed murder in his heart. You say you shall not commit adultery, but whoever looks at a woman lusts after has committed adultery in his heart. He's trying to get to the core of what we are, who we are as human beings, and that's what God wants to deal with. And so it's not trying to hide our humanness, appear more godlike. That's not authentic. That's hypocrisy. And that doesn't look good. That's not appealing. You know what it's like when you see someone who acts one way, but you know them as another. 
So that happens in a lot of our homes. The kids see who we really are. The church, they see something else. And what God wants us to be is genuine, both places. Corrine and I, in our journey of faith, we've come to places where there were so many things we were just set against with our children. I mean, we were pretty legalistic in a lot of the things that they did. And our kids would tell us things. They would tell us about people who were involved in their youth group, the leaders and things. And they'd say, these people are off the wall. They're just here for their kids. And we were like, hey, stop talking about these people like that. You know, they're leaders. You need to respect leaders. Years later, we find out they were right. They called it as it was. We were blind in our tradition. And all those things that we forbade them to do because we thought if we just keep them from anything that seems harmful, then they're going to end up being good and great. But what we did is we restricted even their humanity, the things that they should have been able to enjoy. And instead of teaching them how to have self-control in all these areas, we just wanted to build a fence around them so that they couldn't get out. And this is the structure you've got to live in. And it didn't work. You see, we we try not to get angry. How does that work? Jesus got angry. What we need to do is know when to get angry. We try, you know, not to be self-centered. We try not to lust. We try not to be greedy. We try to stop these things that sometimes we find are just a part of us. And, And instead of trying to just stop all these things, what we need to do is move to a place where we start to embrace the fact that we are human, but what God wants us to do is use all these things who are part of us to build a reputation that honors him in spite of these things, in spite of our brokenness, in spite of those struggles. It's like every Sunday we would get in this major fight going to church. Anyone been there with the kids when they're small? Why Sunday? Because the kids don't want to get up. It's Sunday. My friends aren't getting up. Why do I have to go to church? You have to go to church because your dad works there. Get up there, you know. And I, I can remember I'd be up there and I'd be singing, playing music, you know, and there and I would see my family walk past the hallway and nothing looked happy in that family. I mean, the kids were like walking like this. Crean was walking by like stern, like, you know, you gave me these kids. You made me bring here. And I was just, you know, this whole struggle of what we've got to do and how we have to present ourselves in these things. And then come, you know, Monday morning, like, oh, God, forgive us. You see, what Jesus is wanting us to understand, it's not about putting on a show. It's about allowing God to work in our hearts to transform us. Because a lot of people can do things and be detached. I know a lot of people who do a lot of religious things. And these things aren't bad. They have devotions every morning. That's great. They pray regularly. They read their Bible and all these things. That's great. But they don't love people. They want nothing to do with caring for people. And then I know other people who don't have devotions, who have a hard time reading people who who struggle in those areas, but boy, are they generous. Boy, are they open to reach out and help people, even like the Good Samaritan in that story. 
Who do you think God is pleased with? Exactly. You see, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, he said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Now think about it. These are some pretty good things that you would do. Like, Lord, didn't, didn't we do these things? Didn't we prophesy in your name? Prophecy, well, that's a pretty big deal. Proclaim the word of God. I proclaim the word of God in your name. That's, that's good. Cast out demons. That's a resume catcher right there. You cast out demons? Okay, we'll get you the job, right? I mean, that's a big deal. These are great things that they did, but he did not know them. Why? Because they were not genuine. It was about the things instead of about the character. It was about how they looked before others instead of who they really are. And reputation is about who you really are, that you are genuine. And the reputation of Christ is always postured towards people. That's why he came. Remember, he came for his family. If we are going to do what he does, if we are going to follow in his steps, then we are here to continue that movement, continue that motivation. In Luke Chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. Again, we see Jesus talking. And he says, To some who were confident of their own righteousness, and he looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable to those who were acting in this pharisaical way. He said, Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast, here's the list. I fast twice a week, give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. What's Jesus trying to bring about? That God wants you to be honest before him. God sees your brokenness. Do you see your brokenness? God knows your struggles. Do you embrace those struggles as who you are so that you can grow past them? Or do you just want to live the image? I want to play the part that's what a hypocrite is. Someone who's putting on a mask. They're not genuine. You see, Jesus isn't saying, well, it's good that man's a sinner. He, he just needs to stay in that place. What he's saying, it's good that that man sees his character. It's good that that person sees who he is and knows who he wants to be. That's part of being human. Because we all stumble. We all struggle. And if we pretend we are better than them, then we're being hypocritical. 
We are called to have a reputation like Christ. And his reputation was towards those who were lost. We are to live in relationship with the living God, to put our confidence in what God has done for us in Christ, not in how good we can live. I'm not right before God because I'm good enough. I'm right before God because he came for me. That's what sets Christianity apart from every other belief system. It's the only system of faith where God comes for you. Every other religion, it's about what you can do to get to God. And here God has reached down to us. And we need to embrace that truth. By grace we are saved through faith and that not of ourselves lest anyone should boast. It is the gift of God. It's what God has done for us. He's extended himself to us. So we don't have to hide our humanity or leave the playing field because you don't feel that you've got it all figured out yet. The more Jesus lives in and through you, the better the reflection so that you can start right where you are, start right now. The relationship begins here with all the baggage. It begins now with all the hangups. God accepts me just like I am. But he's not going to leave me there. He's going to transform me to who I can be. Jesus came into our humanity to show us how the original design was meant to be. He taught us how to love the sinner, how to treat the sick, the poor. This is why according to 2 Corinthians 5.16, he says, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. We don't look at people and judge them according to their ethnicity. Back then, you had the, the Jews and you had the Gentiles. You had people who remember when they said, Jesus came from Nazareth. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Why? Because those people are lower class. The Samaritan woman, they have nothing to do with Samaritans. There was so much class conflict. And now he's coming and he says, we don't deal with anyone regarding to their flesh. We regard them in this way no longer. We must see Jesus as both human and divine. We must see ourselves and every person as human in context of God's divine work in our lives. So that now when I see someone, I don't just see the outward appearance. I see the potential inside of them. A few weeks ago, we talked about instead of trying to get people to conform into the image that we believe that they should change in, you should stop doing that. You should stop doing this. You should change this. You should start doing this. What we want to try and do is pull the image of God out of them. Help them to see that God cares for them right where they are. Why? Because God sees who he created them to be. And we need to get them to come to that place. Let God work in their hearts and bring about the changes. See, Jesus came into our humanity to show us the original design, how we could love these people. And so I want to look at a couple of ways that we can be human like Jesus. Holiness is an attribute of God 
that gets applied to us when we place our faith in Jesus. Holiness is not something that you earn. It's not something you do and then you get holy. It's something that is given to us by faith in Jesus. God sees us through the perfection of Jesus and Jesus' perfection covers us, all our brokenness. Holiness is also something that we can grow in. It's something that we develop. We can't make ourselves holier, but we can work with God as he creates a new sensitivity to growing into his image. And and so this relationship with God starts to, to bring an awareness of things in our lives that need to go. And so maybe we start feeling a a conviction about how we're living and we say, yeah, I, I don't want to do that anymore. Why? Because I have this pull in my life to to draw closer to God. And now I feel that this is a hindrance in my life. And so we grow in this area of becoming more in his image. It's not something we earn, but it's something we can grow in. A lot of times religious people shoot for perfect holiness and call others to perfect holiness. And that's when you get judgment, comparison, and condemnation form a a, a fog almost that just blinds people from actually seeing God. And, And so now when Barnum does a test and they ask people, does the church look more like Jesus and his disciples or more like the Pharisees, it's an overwhelming response that the church today is seen more like the Pharisees. Why? That's our reputation. We are judgmental. We are condemning. We are comparing. And we're quick to put out how we're right and they're wrong. We put the one-liners out on Facebook. Entertainment's a big part of Mystery Babylon. Just thought you all should know. And instead of even trying to engage in a conversation, what if that was true? Is that going to do anything but make me just want to respond in, in a negative way? See, we're not caring. We're judging. And you see, I love that Jesus and how we see him and his holiness kind of breaks the mold. I I mean, there's almost this whimsical, holy person who, who we see there who can inspire people out of their mess without any judgment. And it woos people to this character. And it charms people to this non-religious way. We see his holiness when we see Jesus makes more wine at a wedding. His first miracle was a celebration. That's not what we would think of if you're going to, you know, represent God. I'm going to make a couple of hundred gallons of wine. So that's what he did. But I tell you, that wedding party was like, yes, the good stuff. What an interesting way to step into this humanity and make yourself known. And so we see that. He he sits down and he enjoys laughter. He enjoys a good meal. 
with the corrupt IRS agent, right? Matthew, the tax collector. And then he rebukes his own disciples for getting mad at the children who wanted to come to him. You're too important to be having anything to do with these little kids. Don't you dare stop the children from coming to me. I like this guy. I like this reputation. He's the kind of guy I want to hang out with. He's the kind of guy I'd want to go sit down and have a meal with. He's the kind of guy who would sit down and have a beer with you. And you would want to hear more of what he had to say. No matter who you were, he's inviting you into this relationship. He was perfectly holy, but never let his moral superiority keep people at a distance. Even though he never sinned, he was called the friend of sinners. That was his reputation. I've said it before, and and it's so important to recognize that there was a time when the unbelieving world saw Jesus' followers and called them Christians. Today, the unbelieving world sees us call ourselves Christians, and they call us hypocrites. Because our reputation is not like that of Christ's. When the rich man came to Jesus in Mark 10:21, it's important to see that Jesus' first response is Jesus looked at him and loved him. With all his faults, with his pride, with all his problems, Jesus looked at him and loved him. You see, that's the foundation that we work from. That's the foundation we grow out of. In Psalm 139, 14, it says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. See, Jesus had the reputation of loving. He didn't have the agenda to to be the most popular rabbi in the world. He looked at people and he loved them. He cared about them. He wasn't out to have the biggest synagogue, the biggest church. He didn't micromanage his disciples. He let them make all kinds of mistakes. He rebuked them. He gently brought them back. He allowed them to make those mistakes and actually cared about them in spite of their mistakes. He recognized their importance that The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, that people are more important than his own success. He was about others. We want that reputation. When I was a hardwood salesman, I remember I took on this job and I was doing sales, needed to for my family, and I'm not the salesman kind of guy. You know, I'm not like, hey, do you like to buy a new car? You know, I just didn't like that attitude. I didn't want to be pushy, but you almost have to in sales. You kind of have to go out there and, and put yourself on the line and have the opportunity for them to say, get out of here. I don't want to hear from you and feel dejected and walk away. You know, it's, 
And so I'm here in this position and I'm, I'm trying to work out this way where I know there's a lot of salespeople who are lying and doing things so that they can get the sale. And I'm saying, I'm not going to be that kind of salesman. I'm going to be true to my values. I want to represent Christ in my life. And it has to include when I do sales. And so I had this posture and I developed some great relationships with some of my customers. I remember walking into this one shop and the gentleman's name was Abel and he would make furniture frames for different companies. And I was talking to him and I was just kind of small talking with Abel and he had a guitar and he was kind of sitting behind his desk playing guitar. Go, oh, you play guitar? And, oh, yeah, I play guitar too. He goes, oh, really? And he gave me the guitar and he said, play something. And Abel spoke Spanish. It was his first language. He spoke English as a second language. And I had to go, well, I know this one Spanish song. And he goes, oh, really play the song for me. And the song was called Your Holiness Surrounds Me. And I remember it in Spanish. I learned it. I forget why, because we did a Spanish thing and I learned the song in Spanish. And so I remember playing this song in Spanish and I played it pretty good because I'd just been practicing it, you know. And so I was like, yeah, I know the Spanish song. And I started playing this song and I know the English version is beautiful, but supposedly the Spanish version is even more beautiful. I wish I could remember it right now, but... As I was playing the song for him, tears started welling up in his eyes and he just was like ready to cry. And after I was done with the song, he just said, that was beautiful. Where did you learn that? And I told him, well, I, you know, play at a church. I don't usually play in Spanish, but I play that because I've never heard a song like that before. And we had a little moment there, Abel and I, as I started talking to him about the Lord and sharing him the love of God and what that song, you know, means to me in English and, and what that meant to him just as we were talking about that. And he shared some of his religious backgrounds and his thoughts on God. And I remember it got pretty deep. And I remember as I was having that conversation, I felt like God was tapping me on the shoulder and saying, don't you dare sell wood today. Like, don't sell wood today, but that's my job. It's like, not today. Today, something more important is happening. And you need to recognize it. And so I didn't. I, I didn't push wood at all to Abel. It's like, okay, I'm not selling wood. We had a great conversation. I'm not going to end it with, now, would you like to buy some wood? <laughs> In fact, I said, well, I got to get going. I have to leave. And as I was walking out, he said, hey, give me two of the five-quarter premium frame out. I said, sure, I can do that. But it was real important that I didn't taint this that it wasn't about success, that it was about him, that he is more important than the, the money that I can get from him, that people are more important than what we expect of them. You're not here to fill a seat. You're here because you're valuable to God. You're here because you're useful to God, and we want to see God use all of us. There's no hierarchy in the kingdom of God. There's no, well, pastors are up here, and then there's the lay people. There is none of that. If you want to be great in this kingdom, you're the servant of everyone. That's the reputation that we are to have. There's something interesting in how Jesus even picked his disciples. In John 1, we see when he saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit, no guile. 
He didn't say, here's a person who doesn't have sin. He said, here's a person without selfish ambitions. And then you start to look at all the disciples. There's Peter, the fisherman, who who was quick to say whatever was on his mind. You see Matthew, the tax collector, who, who left that life and wanted to come and follow this new life. All these people he picked were not people who had something to boast in. They were people who actually didn't want to boast in themselves and had nothing to prove. And so he picked people that were without the ambition that he could fill his ambition into. And that's the people we want to be. We want to be those kind of people that he sees value in, that one day we can carry his reputation instead of trying to hold on to our own. We have to remember that how we treat people influences what they may believe about God. And if you look like you've got an agenda other than actually loving and listening or blessing them, you're going to look like you're there for your own purposes instead of God's. You're not going to have the reputation of Christ if you're trying to develop your own status or have your own agenda. And sometimes religion just becomes our agenda. I want a notch in my belt. I want to build my church. I want these things to happen. And now we stop caring for people and we care about the agenda. A couple of years ago, my cousin's husband passed away, pancreatic cancer. And we had a memorial for him over at the Russian River. There is a beautiful house that they let us stay in for the weekend. And she had all of his friends. He worked in the television industry And people from all different walks of life were there. And people were there partying, celebrating, drinking. The movie industry and the television industry, a lot of homosexual people are in that industry. And they were all there for this weekend to remember Jeff. And Jeff was probably one of the most gentle, kind human beings I've ever met. And she asked me to speak at this memorial. And so during this time, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to spend time with these people. I want to share something that is going to be meaningful, but I'm not here to sell anything. I just want them to know the God who loves them. I just want them to see how much God cares about them. And I am here to bring that to them. That is what I want as my reputation And so I just hung out with them. I laughed with them. We had a great time. They were hilarious. One of the guys mooned my mom and she almost dropped her cell phone into the river. It was was a comical thing. You would have to be there, but you're probably glad you weren't. It was just, there was a lot of crazy things going on that were just good-hearted fun. It wasn't over the top. It was just a lot of fun happening there. And as I started sharing at the memorial service about the loss of someone we love, I really just wanted to bring about the humanity of what it is to care about someone and to lose that person that God knows what that's about. And it's going to hurt because you were created in a way to show this is valuable. People are valuable. And when they're torn from our lives because of cancer or any other reason, it's going to hurt because they are that important to you. And I shared that. And one of the the gentlemen came up to me afterwards who lost his son a few years back, and he just started crying, and he just hugged me. 
And he thanked me for sharing these things with him. And you see, now I have the conversation because I actually care about him. I'm not out just to convert him. I want him to see how much God cares about him because that's what's going to convert him. That's what converted me. It wasn't I joined a church, I became something else. No, I understood that there is a God who loves me and has given his life for me. And I need that because I am so broken. I am so fragmented. I need this salvation. You see, I think that why Jesus is seen and talked about with such comfort is really this. God was seen through Jesus in the context of human celebration, not in human religion or religiosity. When they saw Jesus, they saw the celebration of God's love for them, and it was a magnet instead of the religiosity. We see that celebration in worship in Nehemiah chapter 8. When they find the law, they read it and they're grieved because they haven't been keeping the law. And he says, don't cry. Go get some wine. Go get some food and celebrate because God has made himself known to you. Where is the celebration and the humanity? It's all become a religious work. Jesus modeled the life that he wants us to live. And his hope for humanity is that you and I will learn to be truly human earthy saints who revel in God's glory to anyone who happens to be watching and searching. John 17, 22, Jesus said the same thing. I have given them the glory that you gave me. That's an amazing thing, that God gave us his glory, his reflection. And even more, 2 Corinthians 3, 18, he sings, and we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory. What a beautiful thing. We're being transformed given his glory. Last week I talked about Jesus was the mystery of God. In Colossians chapter 127, it says this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The mystery continues when God shows up and his reputation is seen as Christ and that becomes our reputation. What is it? We are here because God loves you so much that he will sacrifice his own life to have you back. So John says, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and gave himself for us. That we in turn will give our lives as well. Let's continue the reputation that Christ gave to us. That the world might see and know that we are his disciples because of how we love one another. Let's pray. Father, I see so many areas that I need to grow and change, and I, I see so many places where I need to love and care more, where I have agendas, where I am so 
self-focused and worried about what people will think that I actually hinder your work in my life. And Lord, I, I pray that I could be one of these people who would have influence because of a reputation. And, and I pray, Lord, that that reputation looks like yours, Jesus. I pray that my life, that our life, that our community looks like you, Jesus. That we can celebrate with people who the world casts aside. That we would embrace those who have been rejected or have been judged or feel scorned by others who who use your name. Lord, that instead of us taking your name, it would be given to us by those who are outside. That they would see us And instead of seeing us, they would see you because your reputation is growing in us. May we prove what it is to be human because you created us in your image. May we reflect that image. May the mystery of you, Christ, be seen and revealed in us. The hope of glory. I ask this in Jesus' name. May the Lord continue to reform you and reflect his life through you. May your reputation grow to be like that of your Lord and Savior. May you love like he loves. May you laugh like he laughed. May you care like he cares. And may you change the lives of the people around you because you bring with you the gift of God that's found in Jesus. God bless you guys. Have a great rest of the day. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.